Well, good morning, everybody. As the old preacher said, well, I, I got to tell you, I normally do half a sheet of paper for my sermon outlines, but this, this is a full sheet. <laughs> so I, I hope I don't go too long here. As the old preacher said, fill, pray, the old preacher prayed, fill my, fill my mouth with worthwhile stuff and nudge me when I've said enough. <laughs> anyway, turn to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, please. <clears throat> I want to talk about getting radical about the Word of God. Getting radical about the Word of God. Christ is the living Word, of course. The Bible is the written Word. I think we should be radical about both the living Word and the written Word. But my emphasis today is Christ, is, is, uh, Christ yes, but the, the written Word. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work, unto all good works. Heavenly Father, bless this message. Uh, just uh, use me, I pray, and, and guide my lips, and may I be a blessing and a help to each student who is here. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, recently, I was looking through some old letters from my parents, and I've, I've kept letters all the way from the 1970s from my friends and my parents. It's just, uh, uh, you know, uh, that's, well, and yeah, and my wife, too, yeah. <laughs> you don't get to hear about those. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, this letter was from my father giving me advice, and uh, I want to tell you about the situation I was in that I needed advice. You, some of you may have heard me talk about this, but when I was 20, when I was 19 years old, actually, is when my second year of Bible college, and the president of the Bible college begins, uh, uh, there was a controversy between my grandfather and him. And uh, as you know, I'm sure my grandfather was John R. Rice, a uh, well-known evangelist, uh, author of over 200 books, a revivalist, and I greatly admired him. I was named after him. My name is John Rice Himes. So when the president of the school where I was began talking from the pulpit and disparaging my grandfather, this was absolutely devastating to me. I thought about quitting, uh, quitting college, quitting the ministry, going into the military, whatever, uh, but uh, God wouldn't let me do that. Uh, so I began studying the issues between my grandfather and this uh, other preacher, and the main one I want to share with you is uh, about the, the uh, issue about um, the Word of God. Uh, my grandfather believed that God chose every single word of the New Testament and the Old Testament in its original languages, verbal plenary inspiration. The other preacher believed that, but he defined it differently. And uh, my grandfather would use, actually use the word dictate but not in the sense of a frozen, you know, God dictated and this guy had to write it down exactly what God said, but in the sense of it's 100% God's word and 100% man's word. So it's not necessarily wrong to use the word dictate. And my grandfather had written a book, um, Our God-Breathed Book, the Bible, Divine, our, our God-Breathed Book, the Bible, okay? Um, and that word God-breathed here is, is the word inspiration, in the scriptures we just read. And as, as I began to study this issue, I, I focused on that one issue at age 20 in the spring of that year. 
And I, I wrote my father and I said, I don't know what to do. Um, I suppose I should transfer to Tennessee Temple from this school. And, uh, but I don't know what to do. There, there, is, there are rumors that at this school, if you tell anyone you're going to transfer, you're going to quit or whatever, then you get harassed and you get uh, bullied by the administration. And I don't know if that's true, but that was what people said. And so I found the letter the other day that my, my father wrote back to me, and here's what he said about this. Uh, January 20, 1972, we heard Dr. Robertson last night in the Sunday School Convention, then spoke to him after the service. His opinion was the same as mother's and mine, that you should not say anything until the last minute of the school year, if then, about your plans to transfer to Tennessee Temple. There will be plenty of time to work everything out then. He said he would surely be glad to reserve a place for you at Tennessee Temple, and of course, he fully understands the problems you face now. So keep your own counsel and you will get along better for these intervening months. So Dr. Um, my father actually went to bat for me, went to the president of Tennessee Temple and, and put forth the problem, and I, I had a guaranteed spot at Tennessee Temple without even filling out an application. So to, to put it simply, what my dad said is, keep your mouth shut, <laughs> do everything you're supposed to, and we'll get you into, into the other school. But it was a very traumatic time for me because my grandfather was being disparaged and, and here I was at the school and, and, and th that, it, it was a traumatic time for all the fundamentalism, but, but I was in the middle of it. Later on, the, the uh, president of that school wrote a pamphlet, Facts John and Rice Will Not Face, and he talked about me in it and he said uh, John and Rice's grandson has, was paid by his grandfather to transfer schools. Well, that's funny, I never saw the money, but... <laughs> It was a rumor. It was a nasty one. But you know what? When, I'm, when I learned this term, the Greek word theopneustos, God breathed. The word of God is God breathed. It, it impacted me in an absolutely huge way. Now, I was still discouraged. I was still fighting the desire to quit. That summer after I did leave the, uh, that school, I, I, I actually went to a recruiter, an army recruiter, and talked to him. And I knew I was supposed to preach still, so I said, how can I get in as a chaplain? And he said, well, you have to enlist first, and then you can take courses and so forth and so on. And then I went to my father, and I truly thank God for my father. He said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, graduate from college first, then if you want to be a chaplain, fine, go ahead. That was during the Vietnam War, by the way. So my wife could have been, my, my, wife, my wife could have been never met. <laughs> my life could have been totally changed. But that one Greek word, theopneustos, God breathed grabbed the hold of my heart and radicalized me. Now think about it. If the Bible is absolutely breathed out by God, every word in the original languages came expressly from God. Now the human authors were prepared by God to write the scriptures, and they wrote the scriptures in such a way that every single word was their word, but yes, every single word was God's word. You, can you explain that? No, it's a miracle. The Bible was given to us by miracles. Every time someone wrote out, every time Paul wrote out an epistle, that was a miracle. Every time an Old Testament prophet wrote his prophecy, that was a miracle. So this book is given to us by miracles. That's a very radical thought. So let's think about some radical things about the Word of God. Or just, just to, to continue, though, what, what I did was I began to study um, the... Uh, 
the doctrine of inspiration, I read, there was a book by a guy named Louis Gausson, 1841. He really kicked off the modern doctrine of the inspiration of scripture. There was a man named Turretin during the Re Reformation that somewhat did that, but Gausson is the guy that laid it out and he influenced everyone that followed him. His book, Divine Inspiration of the Bible. René Pache, uh, a French theologian, the inspiration and authority of the Bible. B.B. Uh, Warfield, famous Presbyterian theologian. Um, uh, now he wrote in Inspiration of the Bible. Pache wrote the Inspiration and Authority of Scripture. And I read all these books and they just filled me with the concept that this is God's divine word. And it changed my life entirely. It, it gave me a foundation. I didn't know it at the time, but it gave me a foundation for the entire rest of my life. Because when we went to Japan as a missionary, um, I clung to this book. If you get filled with this book, you'll never quit on the Lord. If you get filled with this book, you'll never buy into heresy. If you get filled with this book, it will keep you, as the old saying is, um, this book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. If you get filled with this book, you're good for the rest of your life. And that's my challenge to you. Become radical about the Word of God. Now, we're already thought of as kind of radical about Jesus, right? out there, we witness to someone, we give someone a tract, you know, and then, oh, that's uh, those people from Falls Baptist, you know, and a lot of times they'll come to our programs, maybe you, you know, after our great programs, you, you've had this experience, you go and visit someone, and uh, we've, my wife and I visited someone after the Christmas program, and, and she, oh, yes, uh, we, we love your programs, and uh, we come every year, and, and uh, uh, but we're Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. We're very solid, we're very firm in our church. <laughs> They knew what we were going to say to them. Ah, but listen, let's get radical about this too. So there's some statements in the Bible, the one that we just read, yes, yeah, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, but there are some statements in the Bible that are incredibly radical. Turn to Job chapter 23 and verse 12. This is one of those statements. Job 23, 12. <clears throat> For the freshman, that's in the Old Testament. No, I'm kidding. I'm sure every single freshman here knows where it is. I'm just, I'm kidding. All right. Um, Job 23, 12. Please don't, if you're a freshman, don't get offended. I might say something else like that too, okay? I love, I was a freshman once myself, really, okay? Uh, so Job 23, 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now that's a radical statement. If you have ever, especially recently, skipped your Bible reading and gone to breakfast and said, I can read the Bible later in the day, this doesn't apply to you. You are not yet radical about the Bible. If you've ever, or if you have never actually skipped breakfast entirely and read the Bible, and got just so into the Bible for the whole breakfast hour, and you looked at your, oh, it's time, to, it's time to go to Greek. I don't have time for breakfast. Then maybe you're radical about the Bible. Okay. More than my necessary food. If, if Job had gone on in that, he might have said something like, more than my necessary food, more than my sleep. Have you ever read the Bible into the night? And forgotten, it's time for bed. And then you look at your watch, oh man, it's time for bed. More than your necessary sleep. 
more than a place to stay, more than any necessity, more than, more than your food, more than my necessary food. That says the Bible is more necessary than anything. The Bible is more important than food, water, clothing, shelter. Without the Bible, you do not know who God is. Without the Bible, you do not know God's will. He speaks through his word. Okay? Without the Bible, you do not know what truth is. Pilate said, what is truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the, he is the living truth, but the Bible is the written truth. Um, without the Bible, you have no power in your life. You know, there are a lot of people in, in the charismatic movement that talk all day long about the Holy Spirit, but when they get up to preach, they don't have the word. They have left their Bible somewhere else, and they preach about healing. Let's get, get everyone healed. It's God's will for everyone to be here to be healed. It's God's will for everyone here to speak in tongues. But they, they haven't used the Bible. Without the Bible, you have nothing. It's spiritual bread, Matthew 4, 4. Um, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's spiritual bread. In other words... You're spiritually starving when you don't have the Word. If you skip your devotions, if you skip maybe a time in the evening with the Lord. I, I think you ought to have a time in the morning and evening with the Lord before you go to bed. You know, I read a psalm every night before I go to bed, and it's, it, uh, it calms me down so I can sleep better. My wife does the same thing, but she, my wife is a little bit nervous type. She's kind of the, she's kind of the well, to put it this way, one of our sporting pastors back when we were on furlough one year called her a stress puppy. So that's my wife. She's a, I, I love her dearly, and she's, I, I couldn't live without her. But I go to sleep before she does. <laughs> and she, she reads the same Bible, but somehow she gets a little stressed about things. And, and uh, she's got a ton of, of better qualities than me in other areas, but I'm more laid back, which sometimes is not good. She probably gets more work done than I do, too. But without the Bible, you don't have peace in your life, right? What? Oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. If you love, if you love Jesus, you're going to love his word. The Bible is spiritual milk, 1 Peter 2.2. 2. 1 Peter 2.2, 2. I'm going to look that up. By the way, next week, I challenge you to look up every single scripture that is preached. Every single scripture that someone opens the Bible and reads from the pulpit, or even quotes from the pulpit and gives a reference, you ought to look it up. That's getting radical. The Bible says um, in 1 Peter 2, and let's we're, we're look at verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guilt and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow, by there, grow thereby. If so, be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. It's meat, Hebrews chapter 5 and verses 12 through 14. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are becoming such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. That's saying, you guys don't know the Bible. Verse 13, for everyone who useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. 
Are you in the meat of the word? It's water, Ephesians 5, 26. All of these things are things we've got to have, especially if you're me. I've got to have a steak once in a while. Got to have meat. Spiritual steaks. The Bible's full of spiritual steaks. Ephesians 5, 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The Bible is water, precious water. You can't live without water. You can't live without... How many can't live without chocolate? Okay. All right, think it over. Let me ask again. Some of you didn't raise your hand, but should have. How many cannot live without chocolate? All right. I'm not talking about chocolate right now, but honey. The Bible is called honey. Psalm, I mean, chocolate, I mean, honey, that, you know, back before there was chocolate, people ate honey. <laughs> Psalm 19, 9 and 10. Psalm 19, 9, and 10. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Is the Bible sweet to you? I want you to be radical about the Bible. And I've occasionally talked about Usuki-san, the, the uh, Yakuza gangster, the Yakuza, the Japanese version of the Mafia. Uh, he ran a Yakuza, what I call a sub-gang, and eventually became the driver for the Godfather um, after he got saved, by the way, because he, he wanted to stop doing illegal stuff after he got saved, but he was still in the gang. I would, I would go every day, every week on Wednesdays to Suki's apartment, a little one-room apartment. He had just, his total life had collapsed. His wife had left him. He had lost his little company, had a little tofu distribution company, and some of you would say, well, good, we don't need tofu. <laughs> but anyway, it was devastating to him. He grew up under an incredibly harsh father. His father was in the Kempei Tai, which was the, the secret police during the World War II. And after his father died, the family found among his possessions many letters saying, I wish you would die, I wish I could kill you. That's the kind of father he grew up with, incredibly strict and harsh. But when I met Usuki, he was living in this one little one-room apartment and lost everything, and all he had was a stipend from the government. Um, and um, I remember one day he showed me, over on, there was a mat, what's called a futon mat. You in America call that a futon, but in Japanese we say futon. And that's what they sleep on. on a, a, the, the floor is grass, a grass mats, and called a... a uh, I forgot what it's called, but anyway. There's his bed over there that he sleeps on on the floor, and on his bed were two items, a teddy bear and a Bible. And Usuki-san told me, he says, I sleep every night with my teddy bear. Not the image you had of a gangster, right? <laughs> I could see him lying there, you know, got the teddy bear here, you know. Um. But he said, and I sleep with my Bible. He's always had the teddy bear in his arms when he went to sleep. And he's always, always had the Bible next to him. He loved it. First time I ever met him, he said, oh, I love the Bible. And he was still a gangster selling drugs at the time. 
when I met him, my partner and I, my, my uh, co-worker and I met him, he was on, he was on the street sitting on a, on a concrete bench, and we didn't learn until later he was sitting there trying to recruit people into the gang. But he said, I love the Bible, even then, before he got saved. Do you esteem the word more than your necessary food? Number two, do you, uh, the Bible says the, that uh, God magnifies his word above his name. Now, that's an incredible statement. Psalm 138 and verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and thy truth. So first of all, the psalmist, psalmist David says, thy name is full of loving kindness and truth. It's awesome. Your name is awesome, God. But then he says, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. For decades, I couldn't understand this. How can God magnify his word above his name? But here's the secret. If your word is no good, your name is no good. If you don't keep the word that you say to people, if you give someone a promise and you don't keep it, and you're, oh, sorry about that, you're just very casual about it, people don't respect you. They hear your name, John Himes, oh yeah, he told me he'd do that, but he lied. You see that? But God keeps all of his promises. 2 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20. That's why God's word is more precious than his name. It's magnified more than his name. 2 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not, yes, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. The fact that God keeps all of his promises magnifies his name. Okay. Since God keeps all of his promises, we can trust him with absolutely everything. 2 Peter 1, 4. 2 Peter 1 and verse 4. Wherefore, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding great and precious promises. The promises of the word of God. For that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That is an awesome statement about the, about the Word of God. Okay? He magnifies His Word above His name. Why? Because He has given to us exceeding great and precious promises through the Word of God. He keeps His Word. Matthew 5, 18 and 19. Matthew 5, 18 and 19. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, for one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till be all be fulfilled. 
Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called greatest in the king, great in the kingdom of heaven. And Psalm 119.89, Forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. The word of God is so precious that, I don't know, sometimes I imagine, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably wrong on this, imagine maybe the original mans manuscripts of the Greek and Hebrew are in heaven. I don't know. <laughs> That's probably really, really stretching it. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. But at a minimum, the word of God is perfectly per preserved in the mind of God. He knows exactly what he said. We forget what we said yesterday, right? But, but you said you'd help me with my Greek homework. Yesterday you told me that. Oh, I did? If, anyone, if you tell anyone that you're going to help them with your, green, with your Greek homework, you must keep that. Got it? All right. We forget what we said yesterday, but God remembers every single word of Scripture that he said. Why? Because he's going to keep it. Finally, the third statement I will want to look at is look at the word as full of power. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Now, we hear a lot of sermons really on the fullness of the Spirit, and that's great. That's wonderful. But look at Colossians 3, 16 and 17. This is a parallel passage when he's talking about the Word of God, not the fullness of the Spirit. Colossians 3, 16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Let's compare that to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. And, and verses 18 through 20. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in all, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a parallel passage, almost exactly the same result. If you're filled with the Spirit, this is what happens. If you're filled with the Word of God, the same thing happens. I, I have here, I brought uh, something to read to you. Um, and, and this is uh, something I asked Dr. Flanders to write out for me, and he has written out for me. It's going to be in my book, so he wouldn't mind at all me reading it to you here. John R. Rice was full of the word, okay? I just for this, for this purpose, I counted the scripture references in this one sermon, The Last Judgment of the Unsaved Dead. He had a way with, with sermon titles. He really did. Guys, be, be original with your sermon title. A lot, of guys, a lot of times a preacher will get up, he won't even tell what the title of the sermon is. But, but the title can have great impact. So, The Last Judgment of the Unsaved Dead. And I counted in here either him reading or quoting or referring to scripture 65 times in one sermon. Okay. Now, here's what... Here's what Dr. Flanders wrote. I, can't, I don't have time to read you the whole thing. He's got three pages here, actually, about his first meeting when, with John Rice. And, 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 uh, he, you know, and he, he didn't even know to get him a motel. He just had him in his home and, and so forth. And afterwards, he just felt so embarrassed. He realized later what a you know, well-known 
preacher he was. But I want to read to you what he said, uh, what Dr. Flanders said he, the advice was that he got from Johnny Rice. After a while, I got to thinking that I really should take the opportunity to ask the great man a question that could help me. When it seemed appropriate, I spoke up and asked him, Dr. Rice, what advice would you give to a young pastor who wants to reach many for Christ and build a church that honors God? Frankly, his answer surprised me a bit. Basically, he said, if you want to have the blessing of God and enjoy success in your ministry, you should spend a lot of time with his word. Of course, he was referring to the admonitions and promises found in the first psalm. He told me that every morning he would read at least four chapters in the Bible. Then at the office building that housed his ministry, he placed a copy of the Bible in each room so that no matter where he went, he had a copy of the scripture handy to look something up along the lines of what he was pondering. This is before the internet, guys. It was before cell phones. <laughs> okay, he had no electronic Bible. He sought to meditate on God's word all day. See Psalm 1, 1 through 3 about this. Now, since Dr. Rice had written so much about evangelism and preached so many sermons about winning souls and was himself such a fruitful witness for Christ, I really thought he was going to exhort me about how much time each week to spend visiting or how many evangelistic conversations to have. But his advice was about reading, memorizing, and meditating in the word. On Monday, it was time to get Dr. Rice to the airport for an early flight back to his home this is probably 4 or 5 in the morning, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We both got up early and set out in that same Camaro down the road to the Tri-City Airport. As we rode quietly on our way, Dr. Rice broke the silence by quoting a whole psalm, a chapter I knew, although not by heart. I think Psalm 103. Now, what do you say when John Rice has just quoted a chapter in the Bible in your presence without announcing what he was going to do or making any comment? I just said, Amen. Then he quoted another entire psalm, and I said, Amen. Then he quoted, repeated a third psalm, and then Dr. Rice quoted a fourth psalm as we neared the airport. After a little silence, he turned to me and said, You know, Pastor, I got up a little late this morning and did not have time to read my four chapters in the Bible before we had to leave, so I just quoted them instead. John Rice had an amazing effect, amazingly effective ministry in his long life, and he influenced millions of Bible-believing people for revival and evangelism and also sound doctrine. God prospered him in whatever he did, and friend, I know why. Now, think of those results in Ephesians 5. You get filled with the Word of God, or I'm sorry, Colossians 3. When you're filled with the Word of God, what do you do? You teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Okay? That's what you do when you get filled with the Spirit also. You're admonishing, you're helping, you're, you're giving the Word to other people. You're preaching the Word from the pulpit. You're teaching the Word in Sunday school. You're, you're telling other people about Jesus. That's, that's what happens when you get filled with the Spirit. That's what happens when you get filled with the Word. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Oh, we have such precious songs. Do you sing them during the day or you're walking around and, and does, a, does a song just come to your heart? If so, maybe you're filled with the Holy Spirit or filled with the Word of God. If not, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly and then the songs come. It's precious. It's wonderful. It's so great when the songs of the Lord just come to your heart and then come out your mouth without you even noticing, without you even thinking. That's what's going to happen when you're filled with the Spirit, and that's what can happen when you're filled with the Word of God. 
singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You might not even be out loud. It might be just in your heart. You're singing the songs of the faith in your heart. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus. So if you're filled with the word of God, you're going to do everything in the name of Jesus. He's going to become precious to you. He's the living word. The Bible is the written word. Christ is the living word. You, it's really hard to separate him. You can't say, well, here's Jesus, but he didn't say any. No, everything he said is Bible. Well, here's the Bible, but I, I'd rather think about the Bible than about Jesus. No, if you're thinking about the Bible, you're thinking about Jesus. That's the way it works. And then finally, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. When you're filled with the Spirit or filled with the Word, because the Ephesians also says um, in uh, giving thanks, uh, let me see, it says, uh, um, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Colossians says about being filled with the Word, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit or filled with the Word of God, every single day you're going to be thanking God for so many things. Something you, most people would think bad happened to you. You'll be saying, well, thank you, Jesus. I, I stubbed my toe the other day. Well, it's actually been almost two weeks, I guess. My wife said this morning was two weeks. The, the way I stubbed my toe is I fell out of bed. Yeah, I, uh, I have to, when I, when, I in, when I go to bed, I have to put eye drops in my eyes because my, my eyes get very, very dry. And so I'm getting up in the middle of the night, about 3 o'clock in the morning, and my eye drops fell in the wastebasket. So I reached down in the wastebasket to, to get my eye drops out of the wastebasket, and when I did, I fell out. Well, I've fallen out of bed many times, but this time my foot hit first, my left foot, and it hurt. And my wife said, I bet they heard that downstairs. <laughs> thanks a lot, woman. <laughs> I gave thanks, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> then she learned I'd hurt myself, and of course then I got plenty of sympathy, but... If you see me limping in the halls, that's, that's why I'm limping. My, my left big toe still hurts. Actually, what happened, apparently I bent back all my toes because then what happened in, when I looked at my toe, a red line developed across all my toes. It was kind of weird, you know. If you come to my office, I will not show it to you. <laughs> I can thank God for a sore toe. I'm still not sure why God allowed my toe to get sore, but thank you, Lord, for a sore toe. I thanked the Lord when I was in college and 21 years old, and my self-defense instructor kicked me in the knee, and I had to have surgery on my knee. And every time I saw him he'd, after that for years, decades, you know, I've, I haven't seen him lately, but, you know, I'd see him every furlough, and, and it's, you know, I'm sorry about kicking your knee, John. It's okay, Jimmy. God had it planned. Because you see, I was backslidden at that moment. God got my attention with knee surgery. I thank God for that. I was lying in the hospital with after knee surgery and reading Hebrews chapter 12 where it said, Wherefore, lift up the feeble knees. 
And I said, thank you, Lord, I'll do that. I, I still have a little bit of pain in that knee sometimes. I have arthritis now in both knees. And the last time, time I saw Jimmy, he, he noticed I was limping with both knees. And he said, uh, did I mess up your right knee too? I said, no, Jimmy, that's arthritis and you can't cause that. <laughs> oh, listen, Thanksgiving comes from being filled with the Word of God or being filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you, you have a burden, oh man, I, I know I should give thanks. The Bible says in everything give thanks, but sometimes I just, I don't want to give thanks for that, you know, this or that or the other thing. Get full of the Bible and then it comes naturally. Get filled with the Holy Spirit and then it comes naturally. You can give thanks for absolutely everything in your life. Sickness, give thanks. Greek homework, give thanks. Everything. Why? Because you're filled with the Word of God, and it's full of power, and it's radical. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.